This is episode 486 of the Macworld podcast for December 9th, 2015. Welcome back, everyone, to the Macworld podcast. As the year draws to a close, at least in some calendars, so too we start thinking about events that are coming up that some people celebrate, maybe a number of people celebrate, and may have an interest in, you know, finding the right thing to get the right person. And joining me, Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor to Macworld this week, is, as always, Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hey, Glenn. What's up? Well, ho, 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 and happy Hanukkah. That's what, I, that's what I'll say in my mixed household. And uh, also joining us, Leah Yamshan, the Associate Managing Editor of Macworld. Hello, Leah. Hello, and happy Chrismica to you too, Glenn. <laughs> it's a Kwanzaa Kwanzaa year. <laughs> and Caitlin McGarry, joining us from New York, a staff writer at Macworld. Hello, Caitlin. Hi. Howdy ho. New York, it's a fancy town, New York, not like San Francisco and Seattle. We're cow towns. Exactly. And uh, New York is the big city. It's uh, how's, Have you gone by to see the uh, store displays yet? Because I know that's the big deal. Not yet. Um, I'm going probably this weekend to do our traditional Fifth Avenue stroll and to check out all the windows. And it's lovely, although it's not snowing yet. So it, it doesn't quite feel the same. I have been uh, working for uh, a site that does comparison guides, who they do a lot of winter testing, and all of the writers are complaining because it is not cold in most places where the winter testing is done. It's warm, so they can't you know test zero degree conditions when it's you know forty five out. Um, yeah, we can't complain too much though. That's good. Yeah, Seattle has a little bit of. We have some good window displays, but uh, it's I don't think what we're known for here. Um, <laughs> So we're getting towards the end of the year, and before we reach that point, we got a few uh, few other things we'll talk about. But we have a gift guide of sorts this episode. All of us have been thinking about what people might get for other people, and living in the future as we do, uh, even if you're in the middle of a holiday, such as Hanukkah, it's one that my family celebrates, uh, along with other holidays, uh, it's not too late. You can still get, you know, express shipping or go out to a store or something. So this may still be useful in uh, the remaining several days to uh, find something for that time. Um, but we're going to start with, hey, there's a, another there's a rumor of a March Apple event. Susie, it's not unusual that Apple does something in March, uh, but this one seems like a bit of a twist. I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, yeah, well, there's a, Mark Ruman wrote a rumor post just this morning right before we started recording, um, and his sources have usually been you know, quite, quite accurate. So he's saying um, March events, which would have a second gen Apple Watch and maybe a new iPhone, which is usually, I mean, that's off the regular pattern for an iPhone, but it might be like a new old iPhone. The rumor is an iPhone 6C with a four inch display, which we've talked about here a few times before. We think people really like it. Um, you know, small, medium, large is a is a good pattern for a reason. So, um, yeah, and then you would get, you know, the. They, they would uh, be able to sell to um, stop selling, you know, the the other four inch iPhones like the 5S and the 5. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, the, this would be the second March event in a row. They had one last year where they didn't unveil the f watch. They did that in September, but they showed us the watch again before it's April eventual on sale. And then the, the March event was also where they um, unveiled the new 12 inch MacBook. So it it would be off pattern for them to to have a phone, but you know definitely not outside the realm of possibility. They also didn't upgrade the iPad Air last fall when they um, announced the Pro and upgraded the Mini. So I mean that isn't a part of Matt Gurman's rumor, but you know as long as we're we're throwing products out for a possible <laughs> refresh, 
Why, why not another iPad Air? Who knows? I wonder also if we'll see some ancillary products. Like I've been predicting uh, that the airport line is due for refreshment. And uh, perhaps the pause that refreshes will bring us um, new models, maybe with HomeKit support or Bluetooth or some other features that are sort of lagging behind other base stations. And it's a minor thing, but I think Apple still sells a pile of airports based on what I hear from readers you see out in the field. I don't think, I mean, they could be, we don't know. They don't break it out. They could be selling millions of the thing for all we know. Uh, and it's, uh, and you know, they push them in the stores. You buy a new Mac in the store, you get it. Um, I think we covered this a bit ago. I discovered, I did not realize this. If you buy extended Apple Care, it covers all your airports also, as well as displays and other things you buy. But the airport, particularly, you don't have to buy it at the same time as the Mac. If you bought it up to two years before the Mac purchase date, it covers it for the full three years of the warranty. So you could have a warranty for five years on an airport and those die. So uh, anyway, a little side tip. Um, uh, yeah, and I do wonder the 12 inch MacBook. This could be the time that they decide to refresh that too. Is it mm-hmm. had a lot of you know we've talked about it a lot, and I love mine, and uh, I don't think I'm unique, but I certainly it's not the machine that's you know um, replaced all other laptop designs and so forth. It was kind of a, an interesting item, and uh, they certainly could boost its features a year in. That would be great because I've I was kind of telling people that were interested in it. And I'm like it's really great, but you know next year it'll be even better if they put like two USB ports on it or. Um, you know, improve the keyboard a little bit or um, th- that kind of stuff. Because the second gen MacBook Air was when that one really took off. So sometimes the first, you know, of a brand new laptop line can be kind of the the guinea pig. So it would be cool if they refreshed that after just a year. I also wonder with the iPhone situation is, you know, Apple likes to sell its older models for as long as they can. And they obviously get a component advantage there. It gets cheaper uh, and cheaper to make. Like the iPhone 5S probably costs 20 to 40% less, maybe even less than that to make now than it did when it was introduced. Uh, so they have a huge margin on every one they sell, which is why they can afford to reduce the cost and yet still make a substantial profit on it. So you'd think maybe this is the time they've hit some inflection point. And they're like, you know, those are starting to get long in the tooth. There's features we want. We'll put an A, I don't know, 7, A8. I don't know what they're going to put into a into a 6C, but it gives them, it lets them punctuate the equilibrium. If they only have phone announcements once a year, it seems like you get a, a lot of pent-up demand. And if they put the smaller format one, fulfill what is apparently a lot of people's desires to get the smaller format phone, uh, then they've got a March and September schedule and it's no longer quite as heavy in September, I think. Yeah. And since people are buying phones without contracts anymore, maybe we'll see, you know, two phone releases a year instead of just one. Um, that would kind of make a little bit of sense because... I mean, it's their biggest selling product. And so, you know, give the people more of what they want, I guess. Yeah. Um, another thing we we're going <clears> to <throat> came up uh, this week, I think, uh, just uh, yesterday, in fact, as we tape, uh, apps shutting down. This is kind of a big thing in the, uh, in the general world of, you know, like everyone who uses a computer or a mobile device um, because of the native transition. You know, there's a lot of stuff requires a native app. So, um, when app development becomes too expensive or it becomes too distracting for a company or something else happens, we can lose all access to something. Um, you know, web apps have the advantage that they can sometimes transition from one thing to another or they're exportable formats or whatever. And uh, we've seen a few shutdowns. We were talking about RDO uh, a few uh, weeks ago. And now Dropbox is going to shut down Carousel and Mailbox. Uh, Facebook Creative Labs is shutting down three things I've never used, Rooms, Riff, and Slingshot. Uh, and... Um, uh, <laughs> But not paper. They weren't. Those weren't their best. Yeah, paper is really good. Paper is worth using. But Caitlin yes, got me on paper actually. Yeah. So paper I was gonna, is I, the best. I thought I would ask. Like, is, are there apps? You know, do any of you miss? Are you going to miss any of those? I got some suggestions from people on Twitter for things they're going to miss. Uh, what shut down this year? You know, are you going to miss Carousel or Mailbox? Some people were real Mailbox fans, even though it was uh, not in release form for um, 
uh, Mac, I believe. It was beta. Uh, anything coming, anything dying that you're going to miss uh, that died RDO. in 2015? RDO. I'm still sad about RDO. So yeah, they, they're shutting it down and they said that they were going to, um, like, so I have a paid subscription and they said, okay, like your last month of paid subscription will wear out. We're not going to charge you for a new month. So then my paid subscription like wore out and the service is still live. So I can use it as a free person, but I can't use it as a paid person anymore. And I'm kind of sad. I wish they would have said, okay, we'll just extend your last month until we sunset the service. So that's a bummer. Um, and I'm without like a music service right now. I need to switch back oh, no. to Spotify or something. Did yeah. Someone created and they some said they kind would of... tell me how to export my stuff and they haven't done that yet. So didn't someone create a script? I thought I saw something where you can do audio to Spotify. It's it's a third party. Some person figured yeah. out where you could someone scrape it. Someone just emailed me a product hunt link like this morning on Twitter. One time so, cost. Um, yeah. I'll have to look into it. I was complaining on Twitter and someone's trying to shut me up with a with a helpful link. So huh. <laughs> Leah thank and you. Ka- thank you, Twitter friend. Leah and Caitlin, anything you've missed this year that's uh that's dying? I'm kind of bummed to see Carousel go. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think I feel like I was the only person that probably used it. But when it first um, when Dropbox uh, launched it a couple of years ago, it was really one of the only tools out there that just kind of lets you easily like back up your photos into the cloud. And I already was using Dropbox as my primary like cloud storage service. So it integrated really smoothly. All you have to do is just launch the app and then it automatically starts pulling in your photos that you have taken that aren't already there. And then you can easily like, you know, delete things from your phone. I, I just found it super simple to use and it's kind of been a part of my photo storage flow for a little while. Um, and I it's had one it on my phone and I always meant to use it more because yeah. I store yeah, all my photos yeah. in Dropbox, <laughs> but then I just never open Carousel yeah. for whatever reason. And it looks, you know when you open photos in Dropbox and it just looks kind of clunky and it's it's, it's just, just not, a folder full of photos. It's just a folder, yeah. exactly. So, but Carousel made it look like, you know, a little photo manager. And it was it was one of those apps that I used without having to think about, you know, it just quietly did its thing and it was great. So I, yeah, I'm going to miss that. I'll have to find another solution. Every time I used it, I liked it. And then I would forget to use it. That mm-hmm. was the thing. That's funny. It's so yeah, sad. I, I only used it like once a week, but that's really all you need to do. And you just open it and it goes and you look at it and you clear stuff out and it's like, okay, now I know my photos are safe. Caitlin, are you facing bereavement from apps this year or is everything that you love still alive? I feel very fortunate. Nothing that I love and <laughs> use has been killed off yet. We still have some time left in 2015, so I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about what's to come. But, um, yeah, when I saw the Facebook Creative Labs announcement yesterday, I, I felt a, a cold shock of fear, worried that um, paper had been killed off as part of that. But luckily it's safe. I mean, no one uses it, I don't think, except for me, and I tell everyone about it because it's – the only way that you should be using Facebook. It's beautiful. There's no ads. You can still access Facebook Messenger without having to download the app separately. Um, and maybe because no one uses it, they keep it around because if everyone used it, uh, that would, that would be detrimental to Facebook probably. <laughs> but Caitlin um, is my life coach and she got me to switch. <laughs> I actually awesome. deleted the, the big Facebook app. So I'm not seeing those like ad for apps i'm not having it like offer to upload all my pictures to facebook before you know i told it like before i told it to 
all the things that are annoying about Facebook are absent from paper. So I've gone full paper and I got rid of the old app. And I thought like, oh, I'll probably be putting it back on my phone inside a week because um, I'm kind of a Facebook addict. But does, nope, it's been, I'm, I'm much happier about it. Wait, does paper encompass messages too or do you need Messenger? Messages uh, is, messages messenger is in there. So I even oh, deleted Messenger. Oh, well, I would thank Caitlin. Thank and you for that I tip. I'm going to have to try <laughs> I use two-factor on my Facebook yeah. account. So, and it, uh, the Facebook paper has that code generator thing that you need if yes. you're logging in. Because I, I was worried that I wouldn't have that anymore. But it's in paper. You have to kind of swipe down and go to like the settings. It's, it's in there under settings. So it's a little bit hidden, but it's in there. So paper's really all you need. I started a site uh, that's now dead, ironically. Uh, so a few years ago, during the great hecatomb of uh, 2007, 2008, when all these sites were dying, when the, the economy went south uh, suddenly, and uh, I called it It Died. I think the domain was itdied.com. And like I say, I, I killed it off. I was run, like whenever I'd post a blog entry, whenever something new was announced, partly to help people because of migration things. But after a while, what was great was the pace slowed down. Things stopped disappearing quite as fast. And then I just got too depressed doing it. I'm like, you know, this doesn't feel like a very positive <laughs> thing anymore. And I'm just going to let it die, die. Um, the one I'm worried about a little bit is CrashPlan, not as a company, which is called uh, Code42, is the parent company. Um, the CrashPlan for Home, which is one of the most recommended backup services and I've used for years, I think – and they won't confirm this. I've asked them several times. Uh, they keep backing off on uh, certain promises and obligations and things. So they're still offering their service, but they won't let you renew the home service for three years like they used to, only one year. And they still have not provided a non-Java-based native app for OS X uh, or Windows, for, and even though they have now one for Enterprise uh, after years of promising. And they're not giving any date now for it either. So uh, I've been using Backblaze on one of my computers that I've had trouble with CrashPlan anyway, and I'm kind of prepping – uh, for them to phase it out. They certainly won't say, hey, you're done. They'll probably keep active archives forever for people, but they'll probably phase out, give people a long uh, period of time to transition since they have so many prepaid customers. Um, a couple people on Twitter mentioned a few things. I never used Readmill or some dedicated people for that. Urban Spoon got acquired and then kind of a disastrous. It's a local company here in Seattle. It's being shut down because of just bad company management of the acquiring company. It was very well liked and, and used. Uh, and Oyster, which was Netflix for books, um, pay a fixed amount, get to read as much as you want. Well, that doesn't work out financially, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, well, then what... when Kindle did Kindle Unlimited, I mean, that was yeah. kind of why would you use? The well, other Kindle ones? Unlimited is sort of limited, but it's yeah, it's hard to get. It's like it's not a good deal for publishers. Uh, I did a uh, podcast episode of a show that I have I do occasionally called The Periodicalist with uh, uh, Jane Friedman, who's uh, kind of. Uh, in the book world, the ebook world, and uh, we talked about whether Netflix for books would work, and we're like, eh, it doesn't seem to benefit the publishers, and then this happened. It's called the library. Look into it. Yeah, libraries. <laughs> libraries are never. I know. I just got an ebook from. I wanted to read a Sue Grafton book. The only version of a uh, doing a mystery podcast. No, of course, I've got infinite podcasts. Of course. And, <laughs> Glenn, uh, when do you sleep? I'm, I'm really curious. <laughs> I, uh, occasionally, occasionally sleep. And uh, we're going to do a Sue Grafton your name episode. To Glenn Cass. Oh my gosh, we're going to do a Sue Grafton episode, and uh, I try to get A is for um, alibi. I don't know. Al antimony. My father-in-law loves her. And uh, my library only has the large print edition, the <laughs> audiobook edition, and I don't know some other edition. They don't have like a regular book edition, uh, but I was able to get from them a an ebook edition that I can read. So. 
Uh, yeah, we I, had a writer do a thing once on getting like how to you know what what you need to get started with borrowing ebooks from the library, and I was like, that's so brilliant because I knew you could oh, do it, but I never like sat down and tried to figure out how. So maybe I'll bump that over the it, holidays because it's would be gotten a nice better. Time. It's gotten better. I mean, OverDrive used to have terrible interface and and it was really clunky. It's gotten much better, and they have an app, the Adobe uh, Digital Reader system, uh, Bluefire, which is third party software that works with Adobe's DRM. Uh, and you can read library books in it too if you're logged into your Adobe account. Um, so there's actually options now. Uh, it's a good, yeah, good tip for the holidays. Load up your eBooks from your library for whatever, however, before you travel. And uh, then you don't have to buy all kinds of books on the route. Uh, one other discussion that we'd have before the gift guide, because again, timely, uh, this isn't exactly new. It's been happening uh, over, you know, years, literally. But the most recent uh, app leaving the Mac app store is Sketch, which is, a program that was, um, you know, heavily featured and uh, it won a design award. Yeah, like won Apple design award. Sketch. They uh, must have been bummed. They should they, be bummed. Yeah, they use it as a demonstration of interface design, and um, you know, we heard this from uh, Rich Siegel of Barebones, which makes uh, BB Edit, other apps. Um, they left the App Store, um, I think, over a year ago. Now he gave a talk at a conference you can see online. It's the Singleton Conference, and uh, now Sketch wrote a very you know, post about it. I've seen other apps disappear coming out of it or encouraging their users to shift over and giving them a transition path where they can kind of check in, show the receipt and uh, get the non-app store version. So what do you all think? I mean, uh, do you buy apps? Anybody buy apps in the Mac app store routinely? Is this, is this swelled beginning of the end? Is Apple failing here? Um, well, it's not good. I mean, developers are voting with their feet and they're also, you know, writing like plain blog posts being like, look, here's what you need to do. Like, Rob <laughs> Griffiths has written a few things for Apple being like, you can fix these. Like these are all, you know, reasonable, technologically feasible fixes. Like they're not saying like, and ponies with every download. Like it's it's regular stuff that they could do. So yeah, and I, I guess, you know, just it's it's behind the iOS app store and we all have enough complaints about the iOS app store. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not good. Apple should should fix it. Yeah, See? I always get apps from the, the Mac app store and I like they need to make that easy. I'm not going to go to a developer's website when I'm looking for, you know, um, a photo management app or a, a word processing app. I'm I'm going to go to the App Store and see what the options are. So if Apple is, you know, making people feel like that's not a good way to distribute apps, then, you know, that's bad for us, the people who are using them. So they definitely need to step it up there. Mm -hmm. I always go to the Mac App Store first when I'm looking for something. So unless I know that a developer has specifically said, nope, not on the Mac App Store, you have to come to my site, I I'm always going to look at the Mac App Store first. So from a discovery standpoint, um, it's it's going to be problematic with all of these really good apps jumping ship because if the good apps aren't going to be in the Mac App Store anymore, um, that might lead people to have to settle for something that they think might be a good alternative, but it's not really what they're going to be looking for. Yeah, I still have problems with the updates tab. I feel like the basic engineering of the software is terrible. Uh, it's you know, it's it's like iTunes has gotten slightly better, but the Mac App Store is a wrapper around some kind of HTML thing. It's you know, basically a website that's presented in this frame, which is not necessarily a problem, but you can feel the creakiness of it. And I'm sure we've you've all had that thing. You go to updates and it spins, and the updates don't appear, and you hit you know, you can hit command. Are like a web browser and it will reload. And sometimes I have to reboot my machine. I have to stop demons. I got to like look up advice on macworld.com to remember how to sort of kill off all the stuff 
that the Mac App Store runs to keep going. So you don't kill it all off and relaunch it. It still won't work. And um, it's kind of a, it seems like a, a hairy mess that they just have neglected. And, you know, the people have commented in the past that the uh, Apple's focus is split in a lot of ways. And in some ways I'd say, you know, they got a lot of people, there's a lot going on. Maybe they're not as focused on certain things, but the Mac App Store seems like this giant blind spot where it's actually a revenue source for them. And conceivably, if it were better, it would produce more money, but maybe in the scheme of things, they're making so much profit in other places. They don't care as much. I don't know. It's unfortunate. The other thing is, I think too, is that because the the OS 10 is now revised on a, on a regular basis every year, it feels like a long way off before we would see any improvements. Uh, you know, 10.12 will be uh, not until September, ostensibly. And um, so if they want to do major overhauls, you know, we still have nine months, which developers say, eh, I'm getting out, I'm leaving, goodbye. Uh, oh, you know, I wanted to point out too, uh, by the way, on the uh, app sitting down, uh, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Brent Simmons had a great uh, brief blog post about the issue of um, apps dying and, and what happens to them. And uh, the, the biggest thing I think Kate came away with, by the way, I just thought this was a good point I wanted to make sure that was made, was that when apps are acquired by other companies, it's not that they uniformly die or that they uniformly become new products or get new names. It's more like it's totally unpredictable. Once an app is acquired, you don't know what's going to happen to it. And sometimes it becomes the basis of the company going forward. And other times, what's funny is, you know, you have the same problem in app standing on its own. It does very well. It just, the business model doesn't work out and it disappears too. So there's no like, you know, if the app is acquired, it's going to disappear uh, because eventually the company will get tired of it. It's just, there's no, there's no assurance with anything, but uh, it's especially frustrating when you see a company like Dropbox with a lot of resources, acquire an app just to shut it down later. Yeah. It's always concerning. Like Google bought Songza, and I guess they just integrated, they just finished integrating all the features into Google Play Music, so eventually they're going to shut down Songza, and I liked Songza too, so. Well, yeah, Beats got shut down, but I don't know if Beats was as loved, really, but Beats is getting, you know, got shut down and subsumed into Apple Music as right, well. Right, yeah, once they launched Apple Music on Android, that was the nail mm-hmm. in the coffin for Beats, because, I mean, that's why they were keeping it around. But, uh. um yeah, it's it's a bummer. I mean, like the, especially apps like that and like email apps. I mean, there's so many out there. So it's like, oh, well, you just have, you know, 99 other apps to choose from instead of 100. But you get attached to them, you know, like that's part of your workflow. That's something you use every day. It can just be a bummer. I'm not really looking forward to switching streaming services, but here we are. What do you all use for, for mail? I feel like this is always one of these, not religious battles, but it's like the point of least pain. What does everyone, do you use standard, you know, Apple Splat apps or what do you use? I use mail and then I also use, I use Gmail because I like to use the Gmail web app for my personal email and the Gmail iOS app is, has the same kind of controls as the web app. So I like that. I yeah, use, I use, oh, oh go sorry, ahead, Caitlin. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I use mail and then um, I also have, the Outlook app so I can keep my personal email and work email separate. I use uh, Inbox by Gmail, which I was inspired by Mailbox probably. And I did use Mailbox when it first launched, um, but I didn't like how it, um, I wasn't using the beta on the Mac and switching between Mailbox and then a Gmail or a Google product on um, my desktop was just, it wasn't like the best experience. So now I use Inbox on my phone and the just the Gmail web app. And uh, I also keep my work mail separate on my phone with the Outlook app. And the Outlook app is actually really nice on yeah. iOS. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. It's way better than the Outlook client on the Mac. For sure. Frustrating. 
I always want to try these like funky new yeah. email applications, but they never work with it. They never seem to work with exchange. And, you know, it's got to work with exchange for me to really get, you know, my money's worth because that's my work email and that's the account that is the mess. Like my personal email, <laughs> I can handle that. Okay. It's the work account that is the hottest of messes. I gather exchange is kind of a mess as a format if you want to support it well. So, I mean, just like, not like IMAP isn't, IMAP is its own mess, but I think IMAP is lower hanging fruit because you can pull in uh, people's personal mail everywhere. And, um, you know, if it succeeds, maybe they bump up to exchange, but it's not where they start. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm super old school. I'm using MailSmith. Does anyone remember MailSmith? No. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is this was a bare bones product, and uh, I started using it in the early two thousands because I was tired of I don't know. Eudora was becoming really superannuated, had it been revised, and um, uh, it's a plain text email program. And uh, oh, I love those. Yeah. So Rich Siegel continues to maintain it. He spun it off from his company, and now he does it as a side project. Just keeps it up to date, but it doesn't do IMAP. It only does pop. <laughs> it's um, there's no. Oh. It's a very thin interface, and I love it because I don't get a tracking uh, things don't get used, doesn't load any HTML. I can take any message and open it in a browser and view it. And he actually made some improvements in the latest version that uh, that handle that a little better. It used to be a little clunky. but um, So no one knows if I've opened my mail. I'm not getting weird you know, attempts to fish me with weird links and colored overlays. I get text. And it's so funny because so many messages are formatted poorly for text only. You can see spam and phishing much more easily when you're looking at Like, yeah, I'm not going to go to... the one with all the weird squares all over. Yeah, PayPal DDS3759.net. That does not sound like PayPal's account, but... Uh, I like yeah. it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Email is a funny. It's a funny subject. It's very personal, and I'm. Um, I still feel like there's a lot of room for someone to make a good email app. We should do a whole episode on email, and I'll just go, uh, email. That's right. <laughs> well, I don't know. Look at John Gruber's latest post on Daring Fireball about this whole issue of the App Store Exodus and uh, El Capitan. He talked about the disaster he had uh, moving from oh, yeah, I think, I Yosemite, Yosemite to El Capitan. I've, I think the mail in El Capitan is better. I've had fewer problems with it. I avoided it for a long time. You started using Yosemite for certain work accounts that are not my personal accounts, and uh, now I'm actually reasonably happy with it, but it still just does weird stuff for no reason. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, let's move on to something happier than mail, which are gifts. We all like getting gifts and giving gifts. Wait, is that the right order? Uh, we all enjoy gifts. giving gifts <laughs> and getting gifts. And uh, it's that time of year for those of people who celebrate. Uh, we have a running joke at The Incomparable because I have apparently excited us the another podcast, right? Uh, I apparently uh, I cited a line from uh, college. Uh, I was, you know, I was Jewish and I was in college, and a woman asked me, another student said you don't celebrate Christmas? And I said, no. And she said, not even commercially. And, <laughs> and now I do, now I'm in a family, I'm in a family with of, of mixed uh, backgrounds. So we do celebrate Christmas sort of commercially. And, um, uh, but I apparently I've said that uh, anecdote about 17 times in the incomparable. So it's one of our running jokes. And I won't, now it's been said once here, I'll never say it again on the Macworld podcast. Uh, but it, it's the time of year when people are doing gift giving for whatever holiday, whatever reason. They do. And at Macworld.com, you folks have been assembling ideas for people for things. Uh, what have you brought to the table? Everyone has some thoughts. Uh, who'd like to, Caitlin, would you like to start being in the retail center of the universe? Would you like to start with, uh, with thoughts about um, finding things and getting things? Sure. Okay. So, um, I have started shopping. I haven't, um, I haven't made much headway, but, um, this year I'm all about, uh, accessories. So, um, you know, 
people in my life love to listen to music or um, work out and they all need new headphones. Um, so I think that's a great, a great place to start. Um, if you know, the person that, you know, is still using the, the ear pods that came with their iPhone, um, you can upgrade them. And there's so many deals right now. Like I've been using, um, the wire cutters deals to keep track of what's going on sale and when, um, and they always have good picks for, for great headphones. And, um, so that can be, you know, over the ear Bluetooth headphones or, um, running earbuds or basically anything, just depending on the person in your life. So that's where I'm starting this year. Um, and then, uh, an accessory I found that I kind of want for myself. It's a little pricey, but, um, it is tech focused. So, uh, Kate Spade, which is one of my favorite designers, just released a handbag that also charges your iPhone battery. There's a little compartment inside the bag where you flip it in and it charges which is perfect because I'm usually carrying a charger around just in case I'm gone for 18 hours and don't have a way to charge my phone. And this bag is also way more stylish than Apple's new uh, smart battery case, which came out today. And I do not like it. (laughs) It is not fashionable at all. It's so bulky. I like, I don't know what's going on with this case. Um, But the Kate Spade bag is, $700. $700. So the, the price is a little <laughs> But it sounds higher. delightful. Some, tra- definite, some trade-offs definite. there. Okay, so this is on my list. <laughs> you um, could just have a day phone and a night phone for that exactly. kind of scratch. Exactly, yeah. Uh, that, joke um, will never, that joke will never die. <laughs> and uh, I am also wanting uh, a new Apple Watch band or, or two, you know, depending on, on who's who's buying. Um, and a couple of my friends also have Apple Watches, so I think that's a good way to, to switch up, you know, your device without having to spend a ton of money. So There's a lot of third-party Apple Watch bands now, too, right? That's the whole thing is that's, that's really, yeah. Leah's yeah. working on a roundup. That's By excellent. a Sarah Jacobson Purewall, regular Macworld contributor, but yeah. Yeah, so that should be good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. And it's hard to like when you get one from Apple, you know, you know like that the picture is going to be pretty right yes. on, and it the you know the the clasp will fit, and mm-hmm. there's a store to bring it back to if you have a problem. But when you're buying third party ones, it still feels like a gamble just because right. it's so new. So we had Sarah look at a lot of them, and she's going to tell you which are worth the money. Mm-hmm. That, will so be that should very be up this handy. week, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. This is the universe we live in. Is that there's so many uh, products made in any category that exists. There's a good piece in. Uh, oh, I'm blanking out. Was it Wired? Uh, I can't remember now. But there's a story about the hoverboard uh, manufacturing switchover in China, where companies there uh, they are so able to retool. They went from making I don't even remember what the last thing they were making was, but it was totally unrelated. It wasn't like a hoverboard. It was like I don't know drones or something. And they're like, oh, it's a big thing. And they all retool like massively quickly. And suddenly there's a thousand hoverboard models. And so the same thing with watch bands. Like people get the idea, they know it's hot, they manufacture it, but that you can't, you can no longer say, well, there's ten of these or twenty. There's now like always going to be a thousand within a few months. And you're really focusing on what's reliable and good there. Okay, so this hoverboard thing is driving me crazy. These don't hover. <laughs> they don't, don't hover. hover. This is insane. And like, okay. some of them are catching on fire. All the <laughs> other names right. for them are terrible, though. They're like glide board. Like all the other names are dumb. Like hoverboard's a dumb name, but it's actually better than some of the alternatives. I've it's like here. podcast. It's I just don't get it. Like, why not just walk? 
I'm clearly the wrong demographic oh, for this product. The, but stop hovering on my the, lawn. The hoverboard <laughs> is a. This is the best thing I've heard. So, hoverboard is a cheap segue, basically. And yeah, so for the same no cases handles. in which you might use a Segway, but some people, uh, do you see the Tony Hawk video of him trying to use a hoverboard? It's hilarious. This, he, this totally wipes out. You're like, okay, Tony Hawk can't get on and master this thing. How good? But some people just get on. But you're standing front ways. It's like skiing yeah, it's versus weird. snowboarding. Like it's, it's a weird. totally different paradigm. I think we could safely say don't buy people hoverboards because for two, <laughs> if you're looking for they're a gift this holiday, the they're not, not ready. ready. Yeah, the, and it's illegal in some places. They're they're dangerous and the manufacturing quality is extremely uneven. Um, You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. So the, in fact, you can go. The wire cutter has a guide in progress, uh, and they've talked about it. They posted some photos. So and uh, the editor there has uh, fallen over a number of times, unfortunately. But uh, uh, so there will be some advice. They should but, do a like a wipeout reel, like oh they do God. at the end of like a skateboarding. <laughs> video that show all the outtakes well, from when they didn't make it. And here's this bruise and here's that bruise. They're uh, terrible. I can barely watch them. My son loves them. Oh my gosh. This is like the uh, yeah, Warren Miller uh, videos. <laughs> well, those are usually showing people doing great things, but then also the wipeouts. Uh, well, okay. So no hoverboard. Yes to watch bands. Yes to Kate Spade bag and, uh, and no hoverboards. Uh, Leah, do you have thoughts about, uh, you know, t- tips or advice or things that you're recommending to people? Certainly. So like Caitlin, I also am in the market for a new watch band. Um, I got the I have the Apple Watch Sport and I got the pink band when it first came out. And I'm not a fan of how the color the color just hasn't held up that well over time. It's kind of faded into this weird orangey color. Oh, so not to be. Yeah, I'm just kind of not feeling it. So I want a new sport band. Um, I like the new turquoise color that came out and also the antique white. So either one of those. Don't do white. Stu- Don't do white. I got okay, the, but, I got but, the white <laughs> sport and it is it's a mess. <laughs> but but it gets the discolored antique, too fast or um so I have a, a black uh wrist guard for my keyboard and uh yeah, the two have not meshed very well together. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's not terrible, like maybe it's because I'm looking at it more closely than other people, but white band on something that you wear all the time is just disaster. Yeah, I was looking at the antique white, which is more of like an ivory kind of off-white one, but it's probably going to have the same outcome, right? Yeah, it's going to get gross. So. Mm-hmm. Bummer. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay, maybe I want the turquoise one then. <laughs> the, the lavender one is really nice. Yeah, yeah. lavender is oh, yeah. nice too. Um, I also have a fancy third-party one on my list. It's Casemates Rebecca Minkoff Snakeskin Band. And ooh, I'm a ooh. gold girl, but unfortunately I got the Apple Watch Sport before they released the gold yeah. version, a mere six months later or whatever it was. So I have the silver one, and this band is black with a silver accent, and it's really nice looking. It's cute. It's um, I think it's like eighty dollars, which you know, not the cheapest, but it's that's decent. It's not outrageous or anything. So um, I would be very stoked to receive either of those. And if snakeskin isn't your thing, I really like um, Pat and Quill's leather bands. So if you're in the market to gift. A band, and you want a more like classic leather book, uh, leather look. Pad and Quill's bands are a nice alternative to what Apple offers. Um, so the big gift on my list that I would love to receive is the Apple TV because I don't have one yet, and I just moved. Oh, and you should get one adult. Yeah, I I'm 100% sold. So I'm just kind of waiting to see if I get it from somebody. And then if not, I will buy it myself because I'm <laughs> re- really excited. 
Just get your fingers limber so you can have time, so you'll be able to enter all those passwords when it oh, comes I up. Know. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my like holiday break project. They probably. could update that any day. I know it, it is <laughs> pretty good. I, I've complained a lot about it. It is. It's not good enough as an update, but it is actually pretty good. Like that's the problem is there's so much they could have done and should do and things that are annoying, but it actually is pretty slick. Part of the gift should be hiring a task rabbit to come over and put oh, all your yeah. information. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so clever. Yes. Um, last thing on my to receive list is the Harry Potter interactive eBooks that are exclusively oh, for the iPad. I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen these, but they, um, they launched on, um, they launched like a month ago or so. And it's just this whole new immersive way to read Harry Potter. And I will read Harry Potter forever and ever until I can no longer see. So this just, it, there's like neat new graphics and new illustrations and it's just kind of a new way to consume the Harry Potter books and I cannot wait to check those out. Oh, that's Yeah, those fun. look amazing. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed that I bought like the regular Harry <laughs> Potter. Like, I bought them before my son was even born and I still haven't read them. I, I think I was in college when the whole Harry Potter mm -hmm. thing was so big. Wait, so. you haven't read them? No, I've never oh read God, Harry Potter. Oh now you know God. my shame. I know, oh right? God. So I just kind of missed it. And then I'm, I was like, okay, well, now I'll just wait. I'll sit on them for a while and wait until Chris is old enough and then we can experience them together. Mm -hmm. And now like, there's all these like awesome special editions. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I just have the regular ones. <laughs> just keep on. You're going to want to buy them again. Yeah, you yeah. can, I can buy, buy them again. again. This is the I have, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's just a cassette LP DVD thing. So you're going to buy those again and again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, I also celebrate Hanukkah, so I have a good deal of my shopping done and have already started doing my, <clears throat> excuse me, my gift exchanges. So for my sister, uh, she and I run together, so I got her some new running earbuds. I got her the Sennheiser OCX 686. <laughs> They're like over the ear. <laughs> Thank you, Wirecutter oh, yeah, and Tech Hive. We, uh, we, we reviewed those. Um, so they're like the over-the-ear kind of wireless Bluetooth running headphones. And oh, they don't shove way down in your canals. No, they, they say, yeah, those are good. Yeah, because when you're running on the street, you don't want You want to be able to hear exactly. a little bit. Yeah. You need to hear the, the cars coming behind you and the, the bike bells and, and things like that. I should get those. Yeah, they're, they look pretty nice. Um, she hasn't opened them yet, so hopefully she likes them. Um, I got my parents a Blue Apron subscription, and I also oh, use Blue Apron. Nice. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. The food is really good, um, and my dad keeps saying that he wants to, like, learn how to cook and make stuff for my mom. So this will hopefully be a good present that they will enjoy. That's and a really good present because they say, you know, like present. subscriptions are good presents and experiences are good presents. Yeah, yeah. So you gave them a subscription for and experiences. And experience, exactly. And who doesn't so like food? Good. Come on. Yeah. Kind you got to eat. Now, where, yeah. what, do they live in a city? Are they urban dwellers? They are in the suburbs of the Bay Area. So oh, they're like 35 miles outside. Yeah. It's and funny. it delivers there. So Yeah. Blue Apron is a funny one because I feel like if you're like in the heart of New York, you know, if you're in Manhattan or something, it makes sense because you have tiny kitchens typically or you may not, you know, maybe eating out a lot. There's different options. Seattle proper, like I've got grocery stores all the way around me and I can buy small quantities uh, easily. But then you get out to the suburbs and again, you're in that like, uh, you know, it's not the food desert, but it's to get exactly what you need in the right portions is a really mm -hmm. interesting place they've dialed into. And one mm -hmm. of the pain points is just figuring out what to make, too. Like, you could That's go to the true. grocery store, <laughs> right. and you could wander around and, like, look at stuff and try to, like, think of something. Or you could, you know, look up a bunch of recipes online and be like, well, 
this one needs, you know, a zester that I don't really have. And like, so it's nice to just have all the thinking done for you and you just roll in and, you know, get out your ingredients and cook. And what about I love giving... that they... Sorry, oh, go sorry. ahead, please. No. I love that they... Um... They give you like just the right amount of a, yes. a condiment or whatever yeah. that you need because there are so many recipes where I would love to make them, but Fish I'm not going to buy a whole or, jar yeah. of this thing I'll never use again. Yeah, so I I love that. We totally. Have, we have 50 spice jars in our spice jar <laughs> drawer, and I couldn't tell you how old some of those I believe may predate. Uh, uh, my wife being in the house, which is, I think, 17 years now. And um, occasionally I'll find something like, I think my old housemate bought this in 1996. This is not good. I just oh. wind up leaving those things out. I'm like, I'm not buying this just to put yeah, you yeah. Know, two teaspoons right. in. But, but then I'm essential? like, what, yeah, then, then I all, I'm always wondering, like, what was this missing? Would it have been better? So. And the Blue Apron, like when they give you a little thing of, you know, sesame oil or whatever it is, it comes in these super cute little recyclable <laughs> bottles. So it's just really fun to have all these little like single portions of stuff. So I had this business idea I'm giving away for free because I'm never going to do it, which is I wanted to call it Conda Minimums was the name oh. for it. And it would be mi- small amounts of condiments <laughs> sold in a pack for like when you travel to a, a vacation house, you know, you rent a house someplace or whatever. You want a small amount of like cooking oil and ketchup and other things, or you want to give it to someone who's like an urban dweller or needs a small quantities of things be the perfect gift. So there you go. Anybody wants it, I, I forego all <laughs> my electrolytes. Conda Minimums. Sarah Michelle Geller just launched a a startup that's kind of like um, Blue Apron, <laughs> but for baking. Let me see what it's Ooh. called. Oh, that's tricky. It's, oh my god, that sounds awesome. I'm blanking on what it's called. I'm finding it. Well, these subscription called... things, like the, you know, the advice a lot of people give now, if you're trying to get out of the like, you know, the cycle of there's certain cycles of materialism, and we all work in consumer electronics and technology, and so we're bought into the system to some extent, and we have stuff that we know we need, we have stuff we buy we know we don't need, but um, like the experience thing, and Blue Apron is, and things like it are interesting that they cross that. Um, divide between experience and and um, and thing, especially because it's consumable. You make it, you eat it, and it's gone. It doesn't add okay, to the stuff you it's have. It's called food stirs. Oh, so I haven't tried it yet, but it's like you know, if you want to make cookies or cake or something with your kids, and then it comes with all the little things to decorate them, so they look like you got it off Pinterest or whatever, but you didn't have to go and buy. Um, you know, all these things at the, like you didn't have to go to the grocery store and the craft store. And it's like it's all packaged and like little instructions to, okay. to make something yummy and then make it cute. Incoming bad joke. It's Sarah Michelle Geller. Shouldn't she be selling steaks? It's cat's wow. here. Uh, you know, this is something I haven't looked into. You guys have spent more time analyzing Apple Music than I have. Can you get a subscription to give to someone as a gift? You can't, right? You have to give people like a, an iTunes gift card or something to give them I, to give them Apple Music. I'm pretty sure it's it's still I feel like it's one you can you can't really gift people stuff uh, in um, in the that way sounds that sounds right. Because and that's still a limitation of iTunes, right? I always get things like uh, I mean, get promo codes from app developers. I've had app developers where they're out of promo codes who literally will send me like seven ninety nine or something. Or I've whatever gotten that too. Is. I always feel so bad. I I'm do like, too. I would have just bought it. They get seventy percent of it back, but you're still. I know. I'll usually buy some. Don't send me. No, don't send me. If it's that, I'll just buy it. And all my publication will pay for it, or I'll yeah. just eat it because I'll keep the app. Um, but I feel like that's a missing piece. Is like so we can do these things like Blue Apron. There's other kinds of subscription services you can get. Uh, I you know I haven't done that this year, but I've. Um, I think one great gift for people, especially if you're going home uh, to parents, grandparents, other family, is a backup service. Get, you know, crash plan or back plays, give people a year of it. Because that you can prepay um, or family plans where you can put somebody in your family on it and pay a higher rate overall. Uh, 
those things are, I mean, that's invaluable, right? You're helping someone save their, their data, but I find it relatively hard to give people things that aren't like an ebook, you know, those are easy to gift and a lot of other stuff is very difficult. I don't you know if you found give any. specific, you know, albums, apps, movies, um, but you can't gift in-app purchases, which is kind of what, um, which is kind of what Apple Music is. So you, oh, you, can, you, can, you can actually you can give, give someone people... like, you know, a, a gift card and a pair of headphones and be like, yeah, yeah, you got Apple Music, but then they could use that gift card for anything. It's so strange. It just feels like uh, there's a lot of different things I've been involved with where I'm like, what? you know, a gift should be the most obvious thing here because this is the kind of thing someone might not buy for themselves, but a parent, grandparent, partner might be the one who would say, oh, I'm going to you know, do this 50 bucks or $100 or 150 even. I'm going to give this to someone as a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so Susie, I'm sorry. We, I've, I've, I've got some ideas too, but I want to get to you. So what uh, what's your holiday planning or things you recommend for others too? So I am doing kind of um, more like gift box kind of things this year where I'm putting together like small things like baking some cookies and getting some like fancy chocolates. And um, so the thing that I'm looking, the, the pain point that I'm looking for to technology to solve is uh, shipping it all. Because the post office closes by six and like I'm not home by six and it's just a pain in the butt. So I am considering trying the service SHIP, which is S-H-Y-P. Yes. Oh, they're not in Seattle yet, but tell people about this. They're they're not in a lot of places yet. And they're actually not in Oakland where I live, so I would have to bring the stuff to my office. But I I think I could do that. But anyway, you just send them a picture of what you want to (laughs) ship, and then they come and pick it up. They even pack it for you. You don't even have to, you know, like save shoeboxes and tape and all that nonsense. Um, so then, and then they, they find whatever the cheapest shipping rate, you know, that'll suit your needs is, and then they add five bucks. And I think you can have them pick up a bunch of different things for, for that one $5, um, fee. So, so I'm looking about at doing that maybe for returns too. Um, and it's, it's one of these gig economy companies, but, um, they made the news this summer. They actually converted their couriers who were independent track, uh, contractors. They made them all employees. So that was kind of nice. Um, a friend of mine works there, not as a courier. He's like an art director kind of guy. And, but he, he really likes the company. So I'm looking forward to, to trying that this Christmas season if I get these gift boxes that I'm putting together it's also, into uh, San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> former <laughs> industry colleague Ryan Block is, uh, I believe, one of the investors through, um, through some fund he's involved oh, cool. with. I forget. I was talking about it on Twitter once. He's like, well, I should disclose I'm an investor. Oh, oh okay. Because I was like, you know, how does this work? How will it be sustainable? But their thing is they're trying to reach volume. And it makes sense because they the more it didn't seem to me like it could actually add up to the right amount of fees. But the deal is eventually they will be shipping enough. They will have really amazing shipping rates from the vendors. So they can pass along what is – it'll be cheap for you um, so they can give you the best possible shipping rate you could ever get plus five bucks and because you don't have to bring shipping materials and they will still make money because they're just you know they're basically shipping a million things a day or something um, but yeah I just shipped uh, um, I'm part of an inner office cookie exchange because I have kind of a like part-time job at this other office at the wire cutter and um, so I, sh- I packed up made cookies packed them up and like oh my god it took me hours to get everything packed up to get the right thing the postage printed out the track the drop it off is like oh yes if ship existed i would have made one phone call paid less than it cost me to ship it because i couldn't get the better rates even so yeah it's just a time saver so but then the other thing that i need to find that i haven't found yet is a really good site for having really nice prints made usually if i'm just getting snapshots made i'll like send them to walgreens or something but i want to get some you know nice bigger prints to put in frames to give to the grandparents like a nice you know the preschool school picture or something so 
So that's what I'm that's what I'm still searching for is recommendations from people on where is the best place to send pictures to to get good prints back. That is a tricky one, right? It used to be you could recommend a printer or a service, but the printers are – the ink situation is so expensive. It's such a hassle. I haven't ha owned a – really done any uh, photo printing for years now. Yeah, I, I don't actually, want to do it myself. I'll turn yeah. to Costco or some of these other outfits even for in-store pickup because it's so much better. Um, so let's see. So I should probably say something that I'm going to get. <laughs> oh, we, we do gifts in this house. We have one thing hidden behind a black, a large gift for uh, the family. It's hidden behind a giant black curtain right behind me here in my podcasting uh, cave. Uh, it's a, it's okay, a, I think you tweeted a it's picture. A digital, it's a digital piano. Um, oh, cool. And it's the cheapest one you can get. There's a sale at Costco and uh, we'll have a house full of family. And we had to get rid of our outside staircase um, because of a foundation project temporarily. So the trick is going to be how do I assemble this, not wake up any of the tiny children who are staying in the house and get it upstairs and prep for Christmas morning. It's going to be very exciting. Exciting time in the Fleischmann Warner household. Uh, but I got, you know, I think, um, you know, people are often looking for things that are that are affordable and that someone can use over and over again. And maybe even think of them. And I got this thing from my wife, which she knows, but she doesn't listen to this podcast. She is not a spoken word listener, so I can say anything. It's great. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I know she won't hear it, uh, but she already knows. I checked to make sure she wanted this. It's a, um, a hand warmer, a battery powered hand warmer, which I never even thought of as a category of good. And... Um, you know, as we've been studying, I got this idea from the wire cutter, from the uh, sweet home rather, uh, which is uh, it's uh, like a portable battery pack, uh, but also generates heat. And so you can use it either to charge a phone or to warm your hands or both. And it carries uh, like up to a six hour uh, heating charge, which is astonishing, or you can top up your battery. So it's 35 bucks. So it's not terribly expensive. Uh, it's not cheap and it's not that big. It's really kind of tiny. It fits right in your hand. And it gets warm super fast. Got two heat settings, and I really liked it. You know, in general, I think like a battery, a portable USB battery, is a great gift for someone, um, especially if they're always complaining about running out of charge, or they have a long commute, or they travel. And um, there's lots of different options. You got to look really closely at reviews because there's some real zeros out there. And some things are like three or four times as expensive as units that do exactly the same or <laughs> just as good. So. So look for them. The one that I got is the, uh, by the way, is the uh, Energy Flux 4400 milliampere hour rechargeable. And uh, uh, it's kind of an interesting multi-use product. Um, the other thing I would suggest too, and this is a funny one, is people, uh, you know, if you're looking to give someone a smartphone, this is usually like, you know, intra-family, let's say, or partner, and someone isn't tied into the Apple ecosystem, I don't always recommend people get iPhones because sometimes, I mean, the iPhone cost can be high. It's an ongoing burden. I just got for testing for myself, I got a Moto uh, X at the recommendation of our Ooh, colleague of Flow, Ion, wow. and uh, I quite like it. And I got, I didn't put it on a cell plan. You get it unlocked for $200. It's a full-featured Android phone. It's running Android 5, and it's ostensibly going to have a full 6 uh, upgrade available as Marshmallow, I believe. And um, it's if you're looking for an unlocked phone, you can get them uh, – I forget the model I got. It's LTE. It has, it's unlocked. It's cellular. It works on every network. Uh, it's got high-speed Wi-Fi. It's got a decent amount of storage. It's reasonably powerful. It's a good phone. It's 200 bucks. So even for a phone for a kid, if they're not tied into the iOS ecosystem, they're using it for email. They're using it for Gmail purposes, let's say. Uh, Google Docs, the whole Google infrastructure. Unlocked music, you know, which is kind of the thing now. So you're not as tied into that. Um, this may be uh, the right phone. If you're an iOS family, then, you know, the iPhone, you're still stuck at the very high prices for those. If you want to get a simple device, you're still going to have to get an iPhone, you know, 5 or something. Uh, but anyway, this is an interesting option for people. And here's my 
my, my little, not exactly snarky takeaway. It's like, you know, you have all experienced this. When somebody in your family, however close they are, they get a device that you know about, your tech support, right? Your remote tech yeah. support. Mm-hmm. You get an Android phone. I don't know anything about that. You'll have to call. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to go online for that. But um, but no, this is uh, Flow Ion, our colleague at GreenBot, really uh, like this model. And I've seen really good reviews of it. And um, it's for me for testing and doing screen captures and other things. And it is quite lovely. So uh, I know I'm being weird on a Macworld podcast to recommend an Android phone. But it is not a bad idea when faced with these costs. Well, speaking of Android devices for kids, I'm actually uh, working on a kid's tablet roundup, and that's going to be going live because, uh, yeah, you could just get an iPad mini and try to lock it down, but iOS has the worst parental controls of all of the competition. So I'm rounding up the, uh, yeah. the kid's uh, the Fire Edition, like the Kids Edition Fire tablet from Amazon, and several Android um, tablets, skinned and unskinned, and a really cool Windows tablet that becomes a little laptop that. My son loves because detachable keyboards are super fun. So that'll go live this week sometime. Oops, I just lost. I just lost you. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I just got a. I got a. Can you say? Could you uh, just say uh, that'll go live again this week, just in case we missed it? Okay. So that'll go live again. Uh, that'll go live sometime this week. So keep a keep an eye out on Macworld for that. That's great. So people should go to macworld.com, obviously, and to. Uh, Every day, sister, over and yeah, over, yeah, click everything. You should. And to uh, <laughs> our sister sites like TechHive and GreenBot to find, and PC World, of course, to find uh, uh, recommendations for all sorts of things related to that. And, you know, we live in an Amazon world, but you can get things from other stores. Amazon may have the best price on something or they can ship it fast. But also consult local stores for things. Sometimes they have it. This is uh, we were talking about this. Uh, we, we Someday we'll revisit this topic of um, the, like, shut-in economy and um, – one of the things I've been hoping is with places like Ship and Postmates and so forth, that it'll be as easy to say, you know, I want that thing. And can anybody in town sell it to me and bring it to me, you know, and yeah. instead of me ordering from a warehouse in, you know, you know, maybe my state or maybe 17 states away from a giant conglomerate, can I buy it locally? So that's going to be, I think, a next revolution is when inventory systems get tied in with delivery systems. And the more we have Ubers and Lyfts and uh, Postmates and and ships. That's like a poem, I think, there. Uh, we might be able to actually <laughs> get stuff like that. That is the problem with technology. It's hard to buy locally grown technology. Um, I, I got a thing that's uh, kind of for the family. It's a big tech purchase. Um, it's a 2D laser cutter made by friends of mine. Uh, so I, I'm biased, but it's called Glowforge. And um, they uh, did a crowdfunding campaign, the biggest, uh, successful, uh, most successful hardware crowdfunding campaign in history raised $25 million and they'd already had investment. They didn't actually need to raise a bazillion. And so I'm getting a, uh, it's, uh, will be driven by iOS and uh, Android software. It's computing in the cloud. Um, you'll upload designs and it will render them and download them over Wi-Fi to this cutter. You'll be able to cut plastics, uh, certain kinds of plastics, uh, wood, metal, do engravings. You can put your laptop in there, engrave your aluminum laptop in it. And um, I'm hoping to, uh, ex- you know, open up some creativity here. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little expensive. Plastics, I mean, they, the future. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cutting things. You know, it's like the past and present mixed in one. But uh, you'll be able to draw things and scan them in. And it's got a camera inside that uh, can take your picture when you open it up to look at the final thing that's made. Like, oh, look. It's exciting. Um, but it wasn't cheap. But uh, they had a referral program. And so because they were friends of mine, I'm not writing about it. And I'm not they – they're not even selling it yet. It's, it was just in this pre-order campaign. So I'm not even specifically uh, telling people to go buy one because they can't get one right now. Um, but uh, uh, it was an interesting, uh, interesting thing. We'll see how it works in a family environment since we're not a, a business that cuts things. 
Uh, well, not yet. Not yet. That's right. Our new, I'll be putting my children to work in a uh, in basement sweatshop. Cutthings.com. Uh, that's right. Cut things. Make you know, play your digital piano during the day, and then cut things out at night, so we can ship them out using Ship and other services. <laughs> uh, well, all right. I think we've hit our allotted time and uh, provided a bunch of recommendations for folks for things that might help them do some shopping this season. And uh, so, thank you, Caitlin. Thanks for being part of this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. And Susie, thanks as always. Yes, thanks. Always a pleasure. And uh, and happy holidays, to everybody. We'll still be producing this podcast toward till the end of the year, but you know we're it's it's we're counting down, counting down the days. Uh, and uh, I've yeah, been we've Glenn Fleischer. Two more oh. podcasts before the big winter winter's nap. We're off the, the last week. That's right. We will all be we'll be sleeping sleeping away, uh, like a one like a red panda that we know so well. Oh, uh, oh. and uh, so I've been. Your host, Glenn Fleischman. I'm a senior contributor at Macworld. If I can remember my name, that's who I am. Uh, you can find us at macworld.com. You can send email to podcast at macworld.com. You can leave comments. You know, we do read your comments on this post. You can find us on Twitter, even in a variety of places, including at Macworld, of course, but at our handles as well. And let us know what you'd like to hear about. We will answer questions, talk about things that you're interested in, too. Uh, and this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 486 for December 9th, 2015. Thanks for listening, folks, and we will be back next week.